0: In this video, I'm gonna be talking about whether you should be investing in Melbourne, the fundamentals of the Melbourne property market or not. So if you're in Melbourne, or even if you're somewhere else and you're thinking, should I invest in Melbourne or somewhere else? This video will talk about eight statistics, eight factors that will help you understand whether or not you should be investing in Melbourne. Do you want to achieve wealth and passive income through property investing? P.K. Gupta, host of Oz Property Investment Mastery, will help you achieve passive income by buying top 5% growth and positive cash flow property and building a portfolio using data without you wasting months of time doing research, spending weekends at inspections or dropping ten dollars to $20,000 on buyer's agents each time. So if you are confused and overwhelmed by the amount of contradictory information available online and don't know where to start, then this show is for you. So if you're in Melbourne and you're sort of thinking, all right, well, I have four five six hundred thousand dollars should I be investing in Melbourne or elsewhere then this video tries to explain using data why actually it will make most sense to buy elsewhere to buy elsewhere all right and even if you have eight hundred nine hundred million dollars to invest still why it makes better sense to buy two 500k properties outside of melbourne or three 300k properties away from melbourne than melbourne itself now of course there are markets within markets this is a generalization but keep with it so rising tide lifts all ships what we're missing in the current property market, and what a lot of you guys may be making the mistake or about to make the mistake is to say that, hey, a city, a region, or a town is increasing in value, therefore, let's invest there. That means there's plenty of money to be made. Not knowing that a rising tide lifts all ships, right? Even if the ship is old and battered and bruised and it's got leaks, if the tide is rising, it will still float it will still rise and here's the thing if you don't look at data you will make the mistake of buying in areas that sure may go up in the next two three four months or next year but then will come crashing down specific suburbs specific local government areas specific towns and especially if you want something that's positive cash flow that's another added reason why melbourne isn't really for you so i'm going to talk about eight statistics in this video. But first of all, you know, Melbourne has really the weakest outlook of any capital city in terms of housing demand versus supply. In terms of house price forecasts, Melbourne has the weakest demand. And some of the things, I mean, these aren't even even the stats that I'm going to go into, but one or two of the reasons are vacancy rates. So vacancy rates have gone from about 1.9 1.9% pre-covid now Melbourne wide they're sitting at about 4%, right so they've doubled or more than doubled and yes most of that is in high-rise apartments and flats and units but it's permeating the freestanding um house market as well and what that has led to is that rents have fallen in fact rents in Melbourne have fallen the most or the most amongst all capital cities in Australia. Right, so that is the fundamentals of what's going on. I'll get to eight stats in a second, but right now, because of stimulus from the government, monetary policy, interest rates are so low, all these things are masking what is really happening in Melbourne, all right? Just because it's a livable city, I mean, if you're in Melbourne, you'll probably scratch your head as to why Melbourne is always ranked the most livable city in the world, you know, lockdowns and um, the weather and everything. But let's just say it is a very livable city. It's a nice city. Just because somewhere is livable doesn't mean that you should invest there, right? Like just today on my Facebook group, someone said Pimpama between the Gold Coast and Brisbane is a really nice area to live. But that doesn't mean it makes for a good investment location. In fact, Pimpam is probably one of the worst investment locations um, anywhere in Australia right now. But I digress. So Melbourne is the most reliant amongst all capital cities. So if you're sitting there saying, look, Pika, I know you talk about regionals. I don't really care about regionals or capitals. I follow the data. But if you're thinking, look, I only want to invest in capital cities, I can tell you this. Melbourne is the most reliant on Tourism and education to drive its economy than any other capital city in Australia. So, what's happening right now is that it's bread and butter because of the lockdowns, no migration, no population movements. Because of that, it is incredibly weak at the knees. All right. And its prices are only increasing because of macro levels, nothing because of Melbourne. All right. And if APRA intervenes, if interest rates go up, or if the Australian Prudential Regulatory Authority mean that it's harder for investors and owner-occupiers to buy houses, then Melbourne will be hit the hardest. I've done videos before earlier this year on where you can make 100, 200, 300k in Melbourne, the exact suburbs. That all holds true. In fact, a lot of those already gone up since the start of the year i've done videos in the last week or two on why you know there's no impending crash in the property market macro you know nationally um, exactly what predictions i'm forecasting for capital growth nationally but this video i'm going a little bit deeper into melbourne proper and why melbourne will underperform other capital cities and in fact regional areas from a relative price growth perspective and rent perspective. So here are the eight reasons, here are the eight statistics and I've got them in front of my screen. So number one is housing supply. Now, housing supply on a yearly run rate is higher now than what it was in Melbourne, ever. What that means is when supply is high, even if demand is high, prices don't grow as much. And you're probably thinking, well, prices are growing. Well, that's because of macro factors. But in a year or two from now, when interest rates start going up a little bit and APRA clamps down, if they do, I'm just giving you eight statistics that you should really understand before you put your hard-earned money into melbourne look my opinion doesn't really matter i'm just another property expert no one cares about your money as as much as you do yourself it's hard-earned money i don't care if you're a millionaire or not a dollar is still a dollar so understand these things before putting your money into a particular location so housing supply especially rental housing supply there are more on a run rate basis yearly run rate there are more than twice as many rental houses available in Melbourne today than there were even 10 years ago on a, rent, on, a, on a yearly run rate basis. All right, and when you compare that increase in rental housing supply to the rest of Australia, Melbourne has more of an increase in rental housing supply than all of Australia combined. Okay, not just versus Sydney, Melbourne, combined. All right, so that, that's the first thing. And, and th- these sources are from different areas, CoreLogic, SQM, ABS, Um, research reports by ANU, I've kind of put it all together. The second statistics why Melbourne will underperform is not rental housing supply, but housing supply in general. So housing supply in the last 10 years in Melbourne has steadily increased, steadily increased. This has happened in, in Sydney as well. This has happened in Brisbane as well. Of course, housing supply increases, but it's increased the most in Melbourne and it's not slowing down. So that is another thing. If demand starts to taper or if demand starts to become soft, you have this incredible current of supply that will really put pressure, downward pressure, on house price growth. The third statistic is population. Now, clearly, everywhere population isn't increasing, but in terms of internal net migration, right? what we can control, even with borders closed internationally, Melbourne is seeing the most people leave its borders, or you could say its city um, borders, than any other capital or so any other place in Australia, right? It's, in fact, from the last three or four years, this Melbourne phenomenon, people escaping Melbourne, has been quite uh, remarkable. Um, And at some point, it starts to actually affect property markets, okay? So that's that's another thing. The fourth statistic is overseas migration. Now the way I'm gonna talk about this is Melbourne benefited the most out of all of Australia from overseas migration in the last 10 years. So now when we have our international borders closed, Melbourne feels that heat, feels that impact, that negative effect the most as well. there's a saying that the higher you go, the the harder you fall, same thing. It benefited the most, now it's going to suffer the most. All right, number five, statistic number five, um, job growth. So obviously jobs are growing across Australia, the economy is quite buoyant. But the job growth levels or percentage is the weakest in Melbourne amongst basically all capital cities. So if you take the last two years, jobs have grown in Melbourne by 2%, whereas if you look at Brisbane, it's more like 5%. If you look at Hobart, it's like 7%. Look at Perth, it's like 5%. Canberra, 3 or 4%. Like The thing that I'm trying to illustrate is that statistics are based on relativity. You might say, oh, look, jobs are increasing, but it's all about relativity. What is increasing more and less? And Melbourne is underperforming other capital cities and other regional areas as well. Now, not only job growth, but job advertisements. Now, this is the sixth factor. Job advertisements, which are a leading indicator of job growth. What's happening in job advertisements is that Melbourne is Once again, underperforming. So basically all of Australia on a monthly basis, the number of jobs that were advertised in other places like Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Bendigo, Warrnambool, Geelong, Toowoomba, Gold Coast, Perth, Darwin, the number of jobs advertised in all these places on a monthly basis before COVID and after COVID, after COVID is higher. Right. So on a run rate basis, on an average monthly job advertisement basis, everywhere has come out of COVID and is doing much better. Melbourne is the only city, basically, um, at least amongst capital cities that still hasn't caught up in its job advertisement rate to pre-COVID levels. All right. So it's lagging. It's, it's weak in that effect. Now, statistic number seven, um, housing demand, housing demand or housing sales. So once again, Australia's growth in the number of listings and the number of transactions and the number of homes being sold has increased a lot um, after COVID. Um, Not as much as we would like to. I mean, there's still record low levels, but it hasn't increased as much in Melbourne. Now, clearly, because they've been in lockdown multiple times and things like that, but that is a good indicator or at least one indicator of demand. There is not as much demand in Melbourne as there are in other places. Now, I know you're thinking, look, PK, prices are going up in Melbourne. Like, what are you talking about? Like, if I can't even buy something at the same price as six months ago in Melbourne. All that is true. I'm talking about here, relativities. Okay, relative versus other places. And number eight, I know that uh, relativities matter because you want to optimize where to buy right you if you're a proficient property investor if you want to become an advanced or proficient property investor you want to be borderless you don't just want to look, limit yourself to one city or one town or one geography you want to put your money into the best local government area the best suburb of all 15,000 suburbs in Australia and from a relativity perspective melbourne by and large markets within markets but by and large is not it 8 number 8 office occupancy rates so if I look at office occupancy rates, so CBD or secondary CBD office occupancy rates, but they're a good leading indicator for job advertisements, for jobs, for the health of the economy. Of course, you know, you need to take it with a grain of salt because the way that people work has changed. You know, everyone that's listening or watching, you've probably been affected by that. But once again, let's not compare ourselves to the past because clearly there's a different social paradigm in how we work now in terms of going to the office or not. But if we compare Melbourne to other cities, all right, so like Adelaide um, office occupancy rates I'm reading here is like 60 to 70%, like I'm talking April, April-May numbers here, April-May 2021. Brisbane is like 60-70%, Canberra is like 70%, Darwin's up at 90%. Um, Hobart's like up at 90%, Perth, you know, talking 70, 80%, which is very good for Perth. Sydney, you know, let's call it a direct comparable to Melbourne's up at 60%. Melbourne office occupancy rates. So how much of the building space in Melbourne CBD or South Bank is actually occupied? We're looking sub 50%. It's hovering around 40%. So once again, you're saying, oh, look, that doesn't matter because people work from home, all this stuff. Well, that is true but we're comparing apples with apples sydney versus melbourne versus other areas melbourne is underperforming so the point of this video is not to tell you that there are no good locations to invest in melbourne the point of this video is to protect you from buying in bad areas that will significantly underperform other areas so many of you are watching may be tempted to invest in places like Melton, like Sunshine, like Hoppers Crossing, like Tani, Tragonina, out that west side. Prices are increasing, but it's not because of anything that those suburbs have to offer. Right now, if you look at the statistics, I went through eight statistics, it's because a rising tide lifts all ships. It's those areas that if interest rates go up too much if apra clamps down too much if there's another delta strain another version three four five of COVID, it's these areas that will perform the worst warribee all that kind of western area of melbourne um, i'm not saying there's no good areas to invest in melbourne i'm simply protecting you from investing with a blindfold on okay see the forest from the trees don't just say that the last three months the last three years have been good therefore The next three months the next three years will be good that's not how it works data is data is data it's more important than my opinion melbourne i remember in 2011 12 went down like 10 to 15 percent that can happen as well if we're not careful so please follow the data and if you're in melbourne and if you have 500k to spend or 300k or 400k or 600k or 700k or 800k for investment property, my strong recommendation, regardless if you use my help or not, my strong recommendation is not to buy in Melbourne. It is a weak property market um, relative, relative to other property markets around Australia, especially regional areas. I encourage you guys, if you're looking to invest in property or buy your first home, try to do it yourself. There's a lot of free education online, on YouTube, and podcasts and other things like that. I can tell you, You do not need a buyer's agent.